Am I working? Yes. First step. I'm useless with electronics. I've even got the presser button. As you can see this morning, my sermon's called How to Sandpaper or a Safe Place to Be. Now, if any of you know me, I am not technological and I am certainly not hands-on. I had to call David yesterday to help fix a gate. I was going to do it and I, had all the, I thought I had all the equipment and I was going to do it. This time it only meant taking screws out. Finally, I called David and he told me, yes, well, it would help if you had a screwdriver thing in your drill instead of a drill bit. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> he fixed my gate. Anyway, sandpapering. Put your hand up if you like sandpapering. Oh, you're coming to visit me next time I want a sandpaper. I absolutely loathe it. I can't stand it. I hate the feel of the sandpaper. It just sort of sets me, ugh. Put it on a, a sanding block and it's still as bad. And then the noise when you sandpaper. It just my teeth get on edge. Needless to say, a workman likes, needs to like what he's doing. My sandpapering jobs are hopeless. I mean, I've got one wall where I thought, well, yeah, I can do it, and I did it, and lucky a curtain hides it because as this goes down like this, I just can't do it, and I hate it. And by this stage, you're all thinking, oh, I know where she's going with sandpapering. We've all got to have our edges rubbed off. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> Not going there at all. I really want someone to come and sandpaper. They can do yours after mine. They'll be there for a few years on mine, fixing up what I've done. Now, sandpapering. Did you know that God calls us all to sandpaper? We are all called to be a piece of sandpaper. Let's go, I think I can do this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do I have to point it anywhere? Switch it on would be helpful. It's not. Thank you, Sam. Oh. Oh, yes. Well, there are all types of sandpaper. And this is important. There's your very coarse, and your coarse, and your medium. And you're fine, and you're very fine. Have I got them all? No. And they're all horrible. <laughs> but we are called to be sandpaper. Now, I don't know that we're called to be coarse. Maybe medium, maybe very fine. I think if you're being the coarse sandpaper, you might be on the wrong track. But we are called to be sandpaper. Let's look at this verse. Hebrews 10, 25, 23 to 25, and I will read it from there because I think my Bible's a different version. 
It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So first it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Well, what is our hope? I couldn't hear that. Jesus, yes, not to be a bit of a sandpaper. Our hope is Jesus. Our hope that we know that he has forgiven us. Our sins have been taken away. That he, has prepared, he is preparing us to be with him. But then it goes on, let us consider how to stir one another up. Now, to stir one another up, what to? To love and good works. But if you look at the Amplified Bible, it doesn't just say stir one another up. It says stimulate and incite. Now, when you think of inciting, always think of someone inciting a riot. Not quite sure that's what we want to do in our sandpapering, but we do want to rub. We do want to stir. We do want to incite. Because how else are we going to grow? Now, of course, there's good ways. I don't know if there is good ways and bad ways to sandpaper. Is there? There is. With the grain. Thank you, Paul. So we don't want to be sandpapering in the wrong way, but with the grain. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, remember the, the oyster and the pearl and the little bit of sand gets in and it just irritates and irritates a bit more and irritates and it goes on for, I think it might be years, but what happens in the end? After you've irritated enough, you've got the most beautiful pearl with luster and shine. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go and irritate one another either. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe. But I was thinking, if we're told to stir one another up, to stimulate, that's a better word, isn't it? Stimulate one another. Inside, what does it mean? What could it look like? Thank you, Edna. That was my next word. She does this at Bible study too. <laughs> but encouragement and I was thinking okay we're all told to encourage one another but what would it look like if after church on a Sunday morning we all have a cup of tea and quite often the service is finished we're having a cup of tea and the chit-chat's very peripheral, you know, small talk. We might even talk about the weather and all of that. But what would happen if instead we said, well, and sometimes we do do this, how your week been, but instead, how's your week been with God? What's been happening with you this week with God? How's your walk? Is it terrible? Is it okay? Has anything great happened? Has anything terrible happened? Now, 
this could be threatening. I have to say to you, this, this part of my sermon is threatening to me. Because this means if I'm saying this, I've got to go and do it. That means that maybe all of you are going to avoid me like the plague when I have a cup of tea. <laughs> but, and the person being asked could feel even more threatened. That's why you've got to be the sandpaper. You've got to be the one asking. <laughs> but what would happen if we did stir and stimulate one another in this way? Would we end up with closer friendships? Would we... I, I tried it just the other day. I was with someone and I thought, this is a safe person. I'm just going to throw it into the conversation, see how it goes. And I was very surprised. The person answered, it's been awful. It's been absolutely terrible. And that was so good because it opened up a conversation where we could share together, we could talk. We, we talked about scriptures and all sorts of things and it just helped because I'd asked the question and they felt safe enough to open up and talk. And so I thought, well, maybe done the right way, this could really help us as a church to become closer and more open. I know a lot of us, we come to church, we put on the mask, put on the good face, oh, yeah, everything's fine, and then something happens and we'll end up as a blubbering mess. But it's far better if we can talk to one another before we become the blubbering mess. If we can... Talk. Now, I'm not saying it's good to be talking about everything to everybody. There's, you know who you feel safe with and there's different people for different things. In every place, there's always going to be someone that rubs you the wrong way, whether it's in a church, in, in, in a club, at work, wherever. There's always going to be someone to, to just rub you the wrong way. But when they rub you the wrong way, it's the right way. And I'll explain that bit in a minute. Because I'd like to challenge you today, when we go out there for a cup of tea, whoever you're with, get in first. Ask them a, a pertinent question about their work with God. What's happening? Is it, I had to say to the girls at um, prayer time last week, I feel like God hasn't talked to me in months. Months. And I ended up as a blubbering mess. And that's just how I felt. And after their prayer for me, I felt 100% better. And I was able to prepare this sermon because I was going to be able to say, even though I'd been saying it to myself the whole time, oh, well, I can't hear him, but I know he's with me and I know he's leading me and I know he's talking to me and guiding me. But, but, the big but. But after their prayer for me, it just seemed to lift a load and I went off, actually went off down to the lake and just had to sit there and talk with God and walk the dog a bit later and it was just these thoughts started coming to me and I thought, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, you are talking to me. But it, I needed help, I needed prayer. 
And we all need one another. We need to stir and stimulate and incite even, if it takes that, to, to help and encourage us to grow. But of course, there are always going to be, as I said before, people, <laughs> people that irritate us, rub us the wrong way, do things we don't like, might be just actions. And I was thinking about this and I thought, well, this isn't good. It's always things like that. And then I thought, well, the early church had this problem. Now, when in all of this, I'm not talking necessarily about our church. Well, I am. I'm talking about us encouraging one another. But I was thinking, okay, we're all going to be irritated at some stage. But let's look at how the early church coped with this problem. Oh, I forgot that one. That was Proverbs. We will do that. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's another one to get us to really push one another, sharpen one another. And this was a commentary. Iron sharpens iron. Iron some tools are made sharp and fit for use by rubbing them against the file. How many of you can remember your dad with the, what they, I think they called the steel and the knife and sharpening it and sharpening it ready to cut the meat? I always remember my dad doing that. You kids wouldn't. But as I said, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, quickens his ingenuity, enlivens his affections, strengthens his judgment, excites him to virtuous and useful actions and makes him in all respects a better man. When you look at that, you think, wow, I think I want to be a bit of sandpaper. If I'm going to quicken someone's ingenuity, enliven his affection, strengthen his judgment and excite him to virtuous and useful actions, that sounds pretty good to me. Don't know that I want you to do it to me, but I'll do it to you. But let's go to that next bit, the early church, Acts 6, 1 to 5. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, just imagine this. I mean, at this stage, the, the disciples have come, um, the people have come to the disciples to complain, but imagine it. You're in the church there, and there's this little group of women, and they're muttering and carrying on. It's not fair. Look at them over there. They've got food. We haven't. Why, isn't it? Why haven't our guys doing it? And the other lot are saying, oh, what are they mumbling about, the stupid women? Carrying on over nothing. And the bitterness is rising up in them. They're getting angry. This is just how I was imagining it as I read this passage. They're getting up tight. So the 12 disciples gathered all the disciples. They gathered all the disciples, the believers, together and said, well, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God. And in order to wait on tables... Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you, now this bit really got to me, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. 
we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, the early church disciples had a choice. They could have just said, when the disciple, whoever came to him said, get over it, that's what a stupid complaint, go and deal with it. But obviously they didn't, they had good leaders. So the 12 gathered everyone together, but what got me in this is what they said. To be in charge of the ministry of serving food, working in the kitchen, getting, serving cups of tea afterwards, washing the dishes, serving. These people, the ones going to be in charge, had to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. I think in, in another translation, full of integrity. Now I thought, wow. Now this is a little bit off the track of sandpapering, a little bit, but I liked it. Um, wow, these people have to be so full of the Holy Spirit. How important are these people? People that are in charge of, of those doing the dishes and things. And guess who they chose? Stephen, a great man of God, to be in charge of people serving. And it was probably the women serving, I'm not sure. It might have been the men. But, and that just sort of, that little bit, I thought, they dealt with that problem in their church so beautifully. But, and I have to say, I was just thinking of, of I was thinking of you, Edna, Serving in the kitchen for so long you did, in charge. And wow, what a responsibility you had when, when you look at what these guys had to be like to do that. And others now who are in charge. Never think that being in the kitchen is, is nothing when you look at this. It's an important role of serving others. And of course, there's serving in different ways too. It doesn't just have to be food like it was here. But what happens... Nothing to do with the kitchen. I'm back to sandpapering. What happens when someone does rub you up the wrong way? How do you react? Sorry? Bristle, thank you. Yes, bristle. Yeah, oh, look, I've got, we go against the grain. Okay, how do I react when rubbed? Do I react immediately? Bristle. You know, your hackles get up and you, you get a bit angry and, yeah, you'd like to go and stamp your foot. Or do I think, listen, and then respond? Well, we all know the right thing to do. Think, listen, and respond but sometimes you're churning away inside, aren't you? How dare they? How dare they say that? Oh, what they're doing, it's, it's, it's driving me crazy. Oh. I've got up there, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then I thought, well, all right, I'm still angry. I'm biting my tongue as I'm talking to this person and nodding my head and looking pleasant. Biting my tongue. Mm -hmm. But what questions could I be asking myself 
while this is happening perhaps. Hopefully I'm praying as well. So I'm listening, praying, and asking myself for questions. And the first question I thought I'd have to ask myself, well, look, is this really important? Is what I'm getting into trouble for, which I guess it might be, is it really important? How much importance is there in this? Is this a matter of life and death? Am I going to remember this when I'm with Jesus? Am I going to remember it in a week? Am I going to remember it in a month? How important is this? And I tell you, when you ask yourself that question, it certainly lowers the angst. It lowers the bristles. Because quite often you think, well, really, it's not of any importance. You're not going to say that to the person because that would you be rubbing them the wrong way then. But you'll listen. And then... I know I like to go home after something like that and just talk to God about it and see what he thinks. But then also I've listened, I've asked myself the question, is it important? Then there's another question to ask. Does that person realise how much they're upsetting and hurting me? And usually the person has absolutely no idea that they're irritating you, upsetting you, hurting you. They haven't got the foggiest. They don't know they've done it. And that's another way of just lowering down. Of course, if they do know, different story. But again, that's great. It's really good. I can remember one time I was deeply hurt by the attitude of someone in the church and I honestly felt I hadn't done the wrong thing and I talked with God about it and I thought, I haven't done the wrong thing but I was so hurt and I thought, well, I've got to get over this. I thought, does this person know how much they've hurt me? And I thought, no. And they think I've hurt them. I don't get it but that's what they're thinking. So it helped me to think, what's this other person possibly thinking or feeling? Just getting into their shoes. You'd be pleased to know that it was all made up and better. <laughs> I was very pleased. <laughs> and then another question to ask is, why am I upset? Is it my ego, my pride? Is my conversation that I'm having with myself when I'm all upset, is it all... Me, 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 me. Is it my pride? And I can tell you at work when I get upset, usually it is. It's usually my pride getting in the way of everything. Just accept the discipline and get on with it. But, you know, we all of us, we don't like to be disciplined. We don't like to be rubbed the wrong way. Deliberate or not, but... It's just how it can be. And I had another little one there, treat others equally. As I was preparing for this, I read a little article and it said, do you treat your boss, your co-worker, the same way as you treat your boss? When you go to your boss, are you respectful and listen and if he says to do something, do you do it? 
you probably do because you want to keep your job, but when it's your co-worker and they suggest something or suggest you've done something wrong, do you treat them the same way as you do your boss? Do you listen to your co-worker the same way as you listen to your boss? And as I looked at that, I thought, that's really important too, to treat each other in the same way, um, but not badly, not badly. And then the final part of it was, is in all of this, where's God in it? Where is God in all of this rubbing and irritating and inciting and sounds like I'm starting a war. So where is God when I am being hard, um, sandpapered? Now this is fairly small writing, but Hebrews again, 12, 7 to 15, says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we, we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits, I think that's what it says, I can't read it, and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. God uses others to discipline us, to train us, to rub us. Even if it's the wrong way they're, they're rubbing us, God can use that to rub off our bits. I read, and I have no idea if this is true or not, but it said, if there's someone that irritates you all the time, rubs you the wrong way, have a look at yourself Usually where they're rubbing you is something that you're hiding from in yourself, a bad habit or something. Now, I've no idea if that's true or not, but it's interesting. But God, he allows others, wherever we are, to rub us, to, to, to just rub us off, to take off the bits. And I bet when they're rubbing us off, God's just looking at it and saying, Oh, that was a good bit to go. Look at that bit of gold. Oh, good. Now, there's that other bit over there. Might use that person. But I'm not saying ever to deliberately rub each other the wrong way. Far better to rub each other in love in the church. This sermon originally was supposed to be part of a series of the church but things happened and we didn't have that series. I think we're going to have it later. But I stuck to what I was going to do anyway because it's building the church together as a whole, helping to build us up in love, to rub each other the right way. To finish off, I was reading a book about a man with a rough hewn plank. He was building a boat. He got this plank and he got his sandpaper. He might have done it with an electric sandpaper, which I think is more useless than a bit of sandpaper. He, he, but he rubbed it and he rubbed it and, you know, he sanded it and sanded it, blew off the, the shavings, 
gave it a bit of a polish. And he, it, he did this for days. But each time he picked it up, he could see a bit more of the grain in the wood, the polish. And as he held this bit of wood, it was like it was beginning to come to life. He could see that bit of wood on the boat. And he kept rubbing and rubbing and blowing and polishing. And as he shut his eyes, he could just see that beautiful bit of wood. The grain had come up perfectly. He had sanded it to perfection. It was alive in his hands. And that's how we can be with God. As we let him rub and blow it off and polish and rub a bit more and blow it off and polish. We can be that great thing of beauty in God's hands. We read before that he, that he does, he disciplines us so that we might produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. So I want to encourage us all today, go out and be a good piece of sandpaper. Encourage one another. That's a lot better than sandpapering. Encourage Rub each other the right way. Ask people pertinent questions. Don't be frightened to. They'll just say, oh, look, I really don't want to talk about that at the moment. And then you can talk about the weather. But <laughs> let, let God, let God into your conversations. Let God into each one of you that he can really just keep rubbing and rubbing and looking and seeing he can see the finished product. We just see ourselves as we are. We don't even see ourselves as other people see us. We see the rough plank of wood usually. But just in your mind's eye, just see that beautiful you with God rubbing and smoothing and sanding and bringing every beautiful thing out of you and knowing that you can help him do that in others. God bless you all.